How's Madison, Chris Henshaw? I've got I've got the room ready for you. Just come on in. Dude, let's do it. I'll be there yeah, on Wednesday. Got, got my clippers ready for you. So on a, <laughs> on a, before it's this this you could edit out, but but I've known Hoff for a long time, and I, I mean he's a very at this point a very close friend of mine, and. I stayed at his, uh, uh, he has a little guest house next to his house. And uh, one morning, I, it was like 5 a.m., I get a text message. And he's like, what are you doing? It's like 5 in the morning. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm in bed. He's like, you want to come over? And I'm like, what? And he's all, Celeste is gone. Come over. And he's, you know, like, this is off. You know, come on over. Come and sit with me. And I'm like, are you in bed? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'll bring my clippers. I've always wanted to mount a man and shave his back. And he writes back, <laughs> question mark, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a special, that's a special relationship there. Did you actually successfully shave his back? <laughs> oh, of course. No. Yeah, I, from my, yeah, I gotta shave my back. I can't reach the, oh, boy. Chris, the real question is, has Hoff almost killed you? And if so, how many times? No, so the thing is, is that I am somehow involved in Hoff's decision making when he is about to kill somebody. And <laughs> at first, it doesn't sound that bad, but somehow it goes it's wrong. Good idea. Yeah, it sounds good, but then it somehow goes south. And and um, yeah, I, I, it's not Hoff's fault. In in every case where people are almost dying with him. It's because of, of the person that he's doing it to. In every case, there's a reason. Yeah, it's but a lot, a lot of broken bones. Yeah, and it's never Hoff's, truly, it's never Hoff's problem. It's hilarious. You go to this amazing island, Hoff showing you all this crazy stuff, and then we just have a saying that you're now a hostage, where he's going to make you do all these things. I'm like on his roof, pulling off like roofing tiles and slippers. He's like, oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. Just, you know, put these shingles on. It's great. And meanwhile, people are almost falling down, getting killed. It's just unreal. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. That's that's awesome. awesome. no, that, was a, that was a brutal roof. That was. That was. The, yeah, the thing, brutal. the thing, Armin, the thing is, is that when you get to know Aaron, um, it, it's never intentional ever. It's, it's one of these things that just, it's a Hoffism and, and that's one of the beauties. So, you know, I, he was once clearing this piece of property with a, a backhoe and, and there's all of these big sticks and roots sticking out and I'm just driving a Toyota camera and he's like, it's fine. Drive onto the dirt. I've paved it all down. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and I've, I, I'm like, it's so unsafe. And I parked the car and he's all, Hey, you know, just well, come here. And I'm like, what is going on? He's all get in the bucket. I want to spin you around. And I'm like, how would you spin me? And he's like, you just get in there. And I'll close the thing. Like, are you my mother type of a bucket? And then I'll spin you. <laughs> well, he demos it and then it blows a hydraulic hose and the whole bucket is closed. And he's like, oh, it's a good thing. You didn't jump in there. I couldn't open that thing. You'd be in there all day. Uh... Just like that. So just like that. this, this yeah. sounds like this, this sounds like, I don't know, maybe people don't know. I, I had never actually met Hoff before, before we chatted. Like, I don't know. What was it at this point? It feels like a year ago because my baby was born like last week, but maybe it was like two weeks ago. I honestly don't know. Uh, but you know, I, I, I have this impression of Hoff being like 
this big uh, cuddly teddy bear that invites everyone into his arms and into his community and into his space. But then like once he like closes his arms around you, it's like a, a forest of dangers that he's like invited you into that. He's just like, this is so much fun. Let's all do this together. Right. And how, how does this, how does that even occur? Like, I, I honestly don't know like what's step one to having built those relationships through all of that type of experience. You ever heard you know, the dog, the dog whisperer? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like the human whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> so you give, you're giving people what they need, even if they don't yeah, know that they need. Because a lot of these people live soft lives, so when they come out of here, they got They get like you know, when you bring somebody to the to the brink of death and you save their lives, there's a real bond that's made there. You know what I mean? And you'll never talk. I mean, like you do something, and you'll, you'll never forget about the story. That's the beauty of it. It's like you come out here, and it's a raw life experience that you'll never forget. You know, you'd be like, oh, I remember that, you know, diving with sharks or just doing like going out and surfing big waves or just being out in the in the in the elements of Kauai. You know, it's like it's it's just that's super special. Hoff like knows so many people just through super random circumstance. And then he gives them life altering experience or teaches them some sort of a life skill like he literally never driven any piece of heavy machinery puts me in a foot excavators like oh yeah go plow that dirt i'm like what <laughs> no experience i mean like so hoff how do you know paul gomez and so for the people that aren't listening og crossfitters paul gomez used to own progenics progenics huge sponsor for the crossfit games in the beginning how do you know paul man i met him through my brother my, my good friends they're like my brothers um and yeah i've known him for years and he's 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 been a um I've risked his life several times too. You know, it's like his, the, the last one I remember we were walking down Wailua Falls and he, I'm all, dude, this trail will take like three to five minutes. And it was like a treacherous hike down. In my mind, it, it was, it's cause I, I, you know, I don't realize like these people don't really walk in the, in the areas that I am always going through. So it's super easy for me. I go down bare feet and they're going on the shoes and Paul slips on this rock. And almost goes down like a 30-foot cliff down the, like, and he just stops himself. And I'm sitting here like watching him. And I'm trying that and he's all serious. And I'm like, so I'm over here trying not to laugh. So I have to like look away and look up the mountain to like show my, hide my laughing face. And like Yeah, but he yeah, so he's been through some stuff. But Paul's been awesome. He's he basically helped me, him and Greg Glassman really injected a lot of support into the run in the beginning like greg was supporting me on the on on all aspects of the trail run and paul was he just he heard of me through my friend and he just brought over a bunch of athletes like miranda and and dan bailey and and then just their whole crew and we just um you know we hit it off and that was the first time i ever met chris too was back then and um we just hit it off and had a great time and it was such a grassroots event that, that year that it was like, I mean, when people came over, it was like, literally like I just put this thing together and like a day, the trail, the trails were beautiful. So this, let me just describe year one. The trails were beautiful. What year was about this? A, oh, this was in 2013 or 14. So this is like the eighth year. 
So eight years ago, eight events ago, I had this beautiful plan. You know, this is how it goes. I had a beautiful plan, you know. And then um, the day of the, like, like two or three days before the race, my friend calls me and says, hey, Aaron, the tree guys are knocking down the trees where the run is. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I went up there and it looked like the only area where the run was, it looked like a basically like an atomic bomb just went off. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. So, so I had to like – so I was trying to salvage the trail, was tying little ribbons all the way through the whole thing. And I'm just like, well, it's going to be what it was going to be. And, and, and take, keep in mind that I only had like 14 to 20 people signed up three days before this event that cost me like $60,000. I just put my whole life savings into it. Flat broke after this, just taking a shot in the dark at this trail run. And then – um. The day of the race, it was like it was the hottest day of the race ever on Kauai. It, there was no wind. It was like the blow, hot blow dryer was sitting, blowing down on people and had not enough water. People were dropping like flies, barely making it to the emergency. You know, I had people sending people off to go buy water from the store. And it was just like, it was, it was, a, it was, it was so hard and so tough on everybody. But that was the thing that made it really special is just everybody loved the amount of suffering that went into it. Like, like Dan ran out, did the, did the first part of the, the 10K, came back in, and then, then my wife and this other girl, Kanoi, and they didn't have a team member. So I'm like, Dan, you're on their team. You need to go right now. Grab the sandbag. So I sent him out on the, on the team run with them, and he was dying. He was cramping up. He, the girls made him carry the sandbag the whole entire way. It was beautiful. Well, what's the point yeah. of all that fitness if you're not going to do that sort of thing? Come on. That's, that's yeah, the whole point. Dan, you know, Bailey, test. What, the, what yeah. is really funny is, is that, that that first year, it took me about an hour and 30 minutes to do a 10K. And so <laughs> I went up to Hoff afterwards and I'm like, that seemed really long to me. <laughs> he's all, no, man. He's all, no, man. I'm telling you, I measured it. It was short. It was like short of 10 miles. It was like 9.5 miles. And I'm like, no, it's 10K. And he's like, that's the same, right? And I'm like, 10K and 10 miles is not the same. And he's like, no, it's not even. Well, I think I made it five miles and 10 miles. And I'm like, ha huh. <laughs> people were doing a 10K and it took them three hours. <laughs> Just to give you perspective, everyone that really? doesn't know, this run is literally hand bushwhacked through Hawaiian land that you would never see otherwise. If anyone's yeah. ever seen The Descendants, Kauai is like 70% privately owned by native Hawaiians and you would never see this land otherwise. Meanwhile, they lend it to Hoff because of what the foundation does. And Hoff is freaking out there with other dudes that are as crazy as him with chainsaws, blades, on dirt bikes, riding through this jungle, carving through trails, tying ribbons. And then the next day afterwards, he gets all the athletes and all the people that are super stoked to be like, hey, remember that horrible run you just did? Let's all go back and let's just take off all the ribbons. Yeah. What? Keep them on their toes. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I lose like 20 pounds during the event from stress and physical labor. 
it's, I, just, it's brutal. I'd love. I mean, I I love I love hearing origin stories of events like that that kind of build this mythology around it because, in a way, that's kind of what like. So maybe maybe as like a better podcast host, I probably should have started this off by saying who I'm talking to and what we're t- what we're talking about. But like, okay, we're talking about the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run. It supports the Keala Foundation. Aaron Hoff, you know, you're the man behind it. Uh, Ed Mao's here. Chris Hinshaw's here. Like, so we're talking about something that I think a lot of people have seen through social media or seen through maybe like Mars and Heber's content or maybe through, uh, you know, Street Parking's content or Miranda's content or someone else's, you know, personal pages. But the idea of like that mythology that gets built of you're going to something that you think you understand, but you're definitely going to get a bunch of curveballs once you show up. Uh, you know, is that is that like spontaneous? Is that just who you are, Hoff? Is that just how that works, or are you? Did you like master plan this? No, I don't. I don't have a plan. I never have a plan going into anything. That's what makes it beautiful. Evil genius, it, man. He's just like know, carving Ar- out that trail. Armin, I'll tell you so backstory on him. So there's an energy about Hoff, and there's something very likable. But when you meet him you feel like you're around a shuckster, right? Like, it's like, something's not right. And, <laughs> and, and, and it was very alluring for me. I mean, I come from a conservative background. I was in sales in Silicon Valley for 20 years. And I wanted to find out more about him. And so when I went over in the very first year, we spent a bunch of time together. And I'll never forget, this was on a Thursday. And it was just me and him in his truck, and we were driving around and he was so stressed and I couldn't figure it out because it seemed like there was enough organization around him to take care of this, this event. And so I'm like, what is the problem? Cause it didn't match up the anxiety that he was feeling. He's like, okay, I'm just going to tell you, he's all, I have borrowed and leveraged every single piece of anything that I own for this event, anything. I says, I have no more money. I am so in debt that I, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. That's how much money I owe people. And I'm like, oh. And he's all, no, 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 that's not the problem. And I'm like, what's the problem? He's all, I have 12 people signed up for this event. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the event's in two days. <laughs> and my friend's like, yeah, they're all going to sign up the day of the run. I was just like, okay, we we're going to see what happens. He had 12 people. And, and, and of course, there's this old saying, right? Don't ask the question if you don't want to know the answer. And it was like, I wish I could have taken it back because, I, boy, and that's what this guy did. That's what yeah. he did. And that, to me. Yeah, 360 people sign up the day, the day of the event. This is a miracle. Wow. And they so, all almost. You just like shoestring, uh, you know, hope on a string. It just kind of pulled it together at the very last second there. And eight yeah. years later, you're still going strong. Going strong. Yeah. Uh, Making them. How many difference. years have you been sober, man? How many years now? This will be. I'll be 25 years December. Be sober. So, like, this is the craziest thing. You have a guy who is. How long did you use for on the meth? Until 23, I probably like, I started using drugs like around eight or nine, around there, nine years old. So you had a guy who's literally been a 15 year drug user since eight or nine, leveraged his entire life savings, 
carve out an entire jungle just so that he could have a program that gave kids another thing to do besides go take drugs on the beach with their uncles and their aunties, right? You know, yeah. that's that's another thing that was really interesting for me is I've been, you know, like I've been going to Hawaii, like the Hawaiian Ironman is in Kona, and I've been going to Hawaii since I was a kid. And I never saw that. I never saw. And so as I got to know Aaron on this first trip, I said to him, I said, you know, I've been coming here for a long time and, and I'm just having a hard time matching up with what you're saying about what's really happening. And he says, that's because you see what you want to see. And I'm like, what? And he says, you're a tourist and you're coming over here and you see coconuts and palm trees. You don't see. And so there's a very famous cliff jump, uh, shipwrecks. You, you jump off this cliff into the ocean and then have to swim into the beach. And he's all, I'll tell you what, we're going to go jump let's go jump, but I, I'll point out what's right in front of you that you don't see. And we park and he's like, just don't stare, but off to your right, right there next to the showers, there's four guys smoking crack. And sure enough, right on the main beach of Kauai, like the, one of the nicest beaches, there they are. And then as we walk to shipwrecks along the tree line, people sitting along the tree line, he's like, there, there, there. And it was like, wow. And I never saw I never saw it. It was there the whole time. And that's everywhere too. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's such so bad over here, especially now too. It's like, I mean, we, I just, the other day we had a young teenage girl that was pregnant, commit suicide. There was another overdose, um, attempted suicide. And, the, and then it, this goes on and on and on through, throughout, you know, it's all the time. There's, we have the highest rate of suicides in the nation. Hawaii is, and um, it's, it's the drug epidemic. And this is because the areas on Kauai are so narrowed down to such like beaches like that where all of our kids go and all, you know what I mean? We, we, it's a small island. There's one road and everything's so concentrated. So you can't really like, oh, I'm going to change my environment. If you got to change, the only way you can change your environment over here is if you leave the island. You know, that's the only way. Kids are kids trapped. They're, they're trapped. It's like a slaughterhouse the kids are going straight to the slaughterhouse it's crazy because the cost of living is so high people don't realize that these parents that are trying to put their kids on a good path are working like two to three jobs and they're not working like night shift because it's a tourist industry they're trying to work the day shifts where they're potentially going to make money and what are you going to do for child care you know it's really difficult when these kids have all these touch points and this concentration with folks that are doing drugs to just you know, like expect your child not to get those influences when they disproportionately get targeted because they just have a longer shelf life. So how does, how does the Keala foundation fit into resolving that? You know, what's, oh. what's the, what's the solution there? This is the wildest thing. So, I mean, Hoff can tell you from the days that it started, it's literally just us at the Keala foundation having facilities to provide school programs for kids to just limit touch points with drugs so that hopefully we can prevent them from being at all those places until their parents get off work. And it's literally a team of folks that take vans, drive out to each of these individual schools, pick these kids up, take them to facilities. We do workouts. There's Bible study. There's, we feed them. They play games. Hoff is there playing red Rover, getting jumped on by children. It's insanity. But the craziest thing is that after this is all done, we make the conscious effort of driving each and every individual child 
back to their houses. So it's just limiting the possible touch points that they might have to make some of those decisions that could really impact their life. And like Hoff, like how, how many hours were you driving a van back in the old days, man? Like when it was just you? Oh, it was a lot. Just all the time. It's like, it, it's such a job. You gotta, you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise you won't survive. You'll just burn out. And it's, um, we, we kind of like, we're just getting back to where COVID sh- shut us our driving down. And now we're kind of getting back into being able to, we're just repositioning a lot of the, the things that we're doing. And, um, but I think like another touch point of that is the, one of the biggest things that we have to do for the kids here is, is, which is so probably around the world is educate them on what's going to try and kill them. You know what I mean? Educate them on drugs and the, and, and alcohol and the, uh, those environments that, that for a lot of these kids, it's not threatening because it's most of their, you know, they're around their families down at the beach and all this. So it's not like you're going down to some dark alley you're basically at the beach with the family having a nice barbecue and all this. And, you know, and it's um, the family's partaking in the drinking, smoking weed and all that. And it's um, I've seen over the years, it's that the most, once you're drinking around your kids, you already made it easier for them to go and become a drug addict. You know, you've already set the slope. You've already added some slipperiness to that slope because it's easier for them to go down there because it's like, Hey, my parents, you know, are, are drinking. So what, why is that? That's not bad, you know, but that environment will lead on Kauai. the thing about that environment on Kauai is that directly leads you down to that trench. And it's, um, you know, at, at, I was a bartender at three, four years old. My parents, my, my uncles were like, Hey, Aaron, go grab a beer from the cooler. I'll give you a dollar. You know what I mean? So just that type of, you, people don't realize that you're teaching your kids right away. And if you're making it look like that's okay for your kids to do, you just basically took 40%, you just up their life 40% more of higher risk to become a drug addict and an alcoholic because they'll be, they'll, they'll be drawn to that environment because that's all they know growing up. And it's um, a lot of people, you know, alcohol is socially acceptable and this and that. But yeah, a lot of people just, they, they don't see that side of it that I see, you know, the, the truth about it, it is one of the most deadliest forms of sabotage that you can show a kid, you know, especially on Kauai, because there's only one road, there's four or five beaches that are very popular down on the South side and it's, and it's saturated with drugs and alcohol. So that's, um, yeah. yeah, so we educate. And what I mean by educating them is we teach kids how to become transparent and be able to talk about their problems. You know, when I grew up, I learned to just stuff my problems and I, I was never given a, um, a platform to be able to like, Oh, I can talk about Matt, the bullying that's going on in school, but this or that, you know, once you teach kids how to talk about it and communicate it in a safe environment, um, what happens is they don't stuff these feelings. And when, over time, when we stuff feelings and we just thought, okay, we're tough. We can't cry. We're just going to keep stuffing. What happens is there's a dif- discomfort internally in, in a person. And when that discomfort, there's that, that underlying discomfort that doesn't go away, you know, kids start to think like, what's wrong with me? They see people being happy and they start to see like, Oh, every, you know, this, this thing of what's wrong with me. And then, and then they'll, There'll come a time that I will 100% guarantee that on Kauai, these kids will be around an environment. They'll take a hit off a joint. 
And what's going to happen is they're going to take a hit and they're going to feel good. And they're going to be like, wow, this makes me feel good. It takes away that feeling that you, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin, you know? And once that is set in motion, you know, they're going to go to that thing where they can, they can start fixing the way they feel by getting, getting high, you know, and it works in the beginning because it's super fun. The party environment, you know, it's, it's a fun thing. So it's not a threat, but then there's that deadly boomerang with that happens when, you know, over here, cocaine is like weed now. It's like, it's, it's socially acceptable in, in our community. You know, it's, it's so heavy. And, but yeah, so that's kind of the process. You know, you got to educate them on being able to have a safe environment, keep them in with people who like me are telling them what the drugs did to me and how it affected me. And then, and then t- teaching them how to be transparent. And, and that's where I've used CrossFit because the, the suffering component of CrossFit is the part that, creates that bridge you know there's a bond created there so then then when you create that bond like through suffering it makes it easier for for if you do it properly to be able to draw these kids out to be able to start talking you know and that and then that's the key right there once you get the kids to start talking you educate them and and you stand by them when they go out and they get touched by these drugs they actually will have a running they'll they'll have a chance from the deadliest ages from 13 to 18, the deadliest time of their life, living on Kauai as a teenager, they'll actually have a running start to make it through that so they can have a successful life, you know, Hoff, knowing that they're backed by us. Hoff, how did you, sorry, that's a, that's a really, that's like, that's a very powerful and that's uh, very tragic, like timeline that you're setting there. Um, and I'm curious, how did you, one, come to the realization that you could kind of cut in to this point of <clears throat> this point of their lives and have a real effect down the line for, for this group of, of children essentially. And then how did you realize that it came together with like, you know, CrossFit, what else did you try to, to kind of like put those things together? Like where did those things meet? Well, I tried everything. So when I got sober, I, I just, I couldn't, I came back to quiet. I couldn't hang out with my friends because they're all messed up. So I just grabbed kids. So I had all these kids and I would, I would take out I would take them surfing in the morning and all this. So I got to really see like, you know, they saved, they basically saved my life with kids when, when I, when I was early sobriety, because I, I had nobody to go have fun with. I, w- I would go to AA meetings and it's all old people and it was just not attractive. And I couldn't bring kids there that were getting messed up because it was, just, who wants to go to that? You know, it's, it's with a bunch of old people talking about their war stories but then I, I took the kids and I watched these kids as they got older, starting to get picked off. So I was, I was really for the first, before I, I touched CrossFit, I was trying so many things, just being in the kid's life, trying to touch them, you know what I mean? Get them to be able to, but it, nothing worked. I could not get, you know, they would eventually get sucked off into that environment. And I was just like, I, you know, it was devastating because I would watch kids, commit suicide kids that I've worked with commit suicide drug over you know what I mean it's like losing kids like my kids it'd be like you losing your kid you know I, I take I, I take such you know I get so attached to these kids I just love these kids you know and um and then to experience that I was like man and I was just like god there's got to be something man there's and then and then I went to Bali one year and stumbled and almost drowned over there surfing big waves came up and I could never get in shape you know, I was always just trying to get in shape. And I was just like, after I almost drowned, climbed up to the top of this cliff, I said, God, you're either going to make me, 
I'm either going to become the fat uncle or you're going to help me get fit. I give up already. And then I came home and my buddy Kai Kyborg um, turned me on to CrossFit. You know, he, he just got sober. He got, and he was like, Hey, can you come over and hang out? I just got sober. I need some support. I went over there. He turned me on to CrossFit and then I watched and I was like, dude, this is amazing. But I didn't realize what it was the beginning of. So then I went back home and I start. I had a van and I, I would take these kids with me to the CrossFit, you know, and, and it was every day I was taking them. I would go to the morning. I wake up at 4.35 in the morning, drive out to CrossFit, go by, pick up a bunch of kids, um, pick up some friends who were trying to get sober. And I would just watch the magic happen in the ride to the, to the gym, the suffering in the gym, and then the ride home. The, the bond that was created after suffering together in like, you know, in a CrossFit workout. And then, and then the light went on. I was just like, man, these guys, these kids are thriving. And I had kids who were already veering off into a negative track that would start to thrive again, you know, and that's how fitness pay, plays a huge part. There's the mind, body, and the spirit. Most people try to work on the mind and the spirit, but they, they neglect the body, but that's, that's a major game player in being able to um, set your life on a successful pillar to be able to build off of, you know, a solid foundation. And, and, and when I seen that, it was like, I, I was doing CrossFit for maybe two months. I opened a gym at the third month, failed the CrossFit test. I was like, screw CrossFit. This test sucks, you know? And, and then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, One and of then 5% I, that fails the L1. <laughs> you're like, yeah. Fuck it. Level zero. I don't need it. Let's open a gym. Yeah, I'm gonna name my gym Cross something else. Not not cross not stupid CrossFit. But then then I eventually passed the test. And then as soon as I got the level one, within a year I was starting to run. You know, it was, it was like full throttle, just like I'm doing it. It's like pedal to the metal. And then but yeah, being able to see the success the the point I the turning point for the for being able to reach these kids' lives was incorporating CrossFit into what I do. And the other part of what I do is I really practice the 12 steps that were created in Alcoholics Anonymous because that's that's the quickest way to like we, – we incorporate that with the kids. And it's, um, it's the quickest way. It's like putting round – I mean, just putting miracle grow on your spiritual growth on your mental growth. You know what I mean? It just, it's the most direct way to work through life's problems, you know, and it's um, the, all these things combined together make the Keala foundation and it's like, and it's just changing lives. You know, it doesn't only change the kids' lives. It changes anybody's life who touches or comes into this program because they see it's something that every human being wants. They just don't know how to find it, you know, but when it's presented like this, and people experience this coming over the trail run and, and just coming over in the off season, this, it's like, wow, man, this is, this is something that truly works, you know? And it's, um, and, and it's just, if the, the bait, I would say that it's just, it comes from unconditional love, you know, just pe- you come here and you're accepted right where you're at. Um, you don't have to be anybody but yourself. Um, I don't care if you're a bank robber. I don't care if you're, uh, you know, just, I don't care what type of person you are. You're, you're a good, you're a good person that will be given the opportunity to change. If you come over here and be accepted, you know, that's all that people want. They just, they just want to be loved how they are. And, and 
I give people that along with life and death experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the idea of, uh, of finding sort of like uh, salvation is probably like a, a little bit of an extreme way of describing it, but it's something along the road to salvation at the very least through this like honing of your physical sense, right? Like one of the things that happened with me uh, when I first started doing CrossFit, I was a teenager. I was like 18 and maybe 19 at the point at the time. And I was just, I was like kind of floundering. Like school wasn't really that exciting. My work wasn't that exciting. I was looking for something to like engage me. And I thought I was just walking into a gym and it turned out I was walking into something that was going to like consume my life from that point forward. And the, uh, the idea that just through physical training and practice, and I think this is something that a lot of people, maybe they don't necessarily understand that they experience it, but when you hone yourself through like this crucible that is Fran or, you know, uh, 10 by 10 squats or running, you know, like do, doing all these running intervals, like when you hone yourself, your body through this, you're even if you ignore, even if you ignore the mental side of things or the spiritual side of things or whatever emotional like aspects you're trying to work on, it it like grabs onto that and drags it forward with you. You have to have those things develop at the same time. Like, you know, back back when we were talking about the early 2010s, you know, early 2010s going into a CrossFit gym, it was this idea that like the difficulty of the behavior that we were putting ourselves through weeds out people who aren't able to deal with that emotional aspect, that mental aspect of it, of dealing with suffering and progressing themselves through it. And I, I, I like that you're able to essentially take that idea of like, you know what? Suffering is not just something that we go through, but it's something that we can use. It's a tool. It's a tool. Beautiful. Suffering in my in my my life, I've figured out that suffering is the most beautiful thing that I've ever got gotten through. You know what I mean? All the all the all of my biggest struggles are are my greatest stories now, and those are the things those are the things that pull people back from the gates of hell. You know, me being totally transparent about my struggle with addiction, my struggle with porn, my struggle with finances, my struggle just with everything, and I can talk very freely of it. And people, when they hear that, you know, it's like it's crazy. Like I'll go speak in churches and, and meetings and all these things like that. And I, and I get up there and I just, here I am. And then down the road, I'll get calls from people in high people like that. Like you think got it all together, but they're just really falling apart behind that smiley face. And they just, you know, they call me up. Hey, I just wanted to, it's usually always like, Hey, I have a, I have a friend who's <laughs> struggling with porn or, drinking or this or that and it's like i need some you know do you have but it's really then they're they're starting to learn to like but but my the suffering that i've been able to deal with and process with the 12 steps there's i have no more shame attached to it because i processed it and now now i can utilize that 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 pain and suffering and turn it into the greatest resource that every one of us has the ability to attain so, I mean, every one of us, when you get your story right and you work through it, you, you can save lives. Even if it's this, you think it's the softest little story, it's, it's, it's a powerful story because it's your story, you know? And it's, um, that, that's what saves lives is using, using that experience, those experiences. 
Yeah, I think I think anybody who I mean, I know Chris, you could speak to this as well. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a little bit of a different environment that that it happens in, but anybody who consistently seeks, like actively is finding and experiencing pain, failure, discomfort through any sort of like, even if it's, if it's emotional, if you're, if you're experiencing this thing and you come out the other side, you're harder, you're, you're better, you're stronger, you're faster. You have a better understanding of yourself. You can, you can process experiences better. And it's like this cycle of not just fitness that increases, like in Chris's experience, it would be things like Iron Man, right? You you start off and it's miserable. You get better. It's still miserable, but you're you're better at it and you're better at understanding it and processing how miserable it is. And through that increasing amount of misery that you could put yourself through, you start realizing that there's there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but that light isn't the lack of misery. It's just accepting it. It's like accepting the pain, accepting the 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 suffering that comes along with it. Like I remember, um, you know, and this is actually a good question for you, Chris, is does it hurt any less when you're really, really good at doing Ironmans? That's the thing is it doesn't. You know, I had this conversation just yesterday. Does running ever get easier? And the truth is, is that it, no, it doesn't. You just get faster. You do, and, and, you know, one of the things that, that is, is really interesting to me in, in my relationship with Kayala and, and knowing Aaron is the time that I have spent coaching the kids, uh, the time with inside the gym and, and, and working with them in classes and one-on-one, I see a lot of parallels between them and adults where an adult life just got in the way of their fitness, you know, whether it was their family, their job or debt or something, and they lost their fitness. And they both have, whether you're a kid in that 13 to 18 age group or a middle-aged adult, you're both insecure. The problem that the kid doesn't have is they don't have the perspective. They're not aware that you're responsible for your own journey. No one's going to go in there and do your work for you. You, at the end of the day, have to do the work. And as adults, we realize that through time, we realize that, you know what, if we're going to get the job done, it's up to me to do it. And what you see, what Aaron has provided is, here is the workout of the day. Here is the task. And I know it's a risk. I know this, that you think that you might not be able to do it. But if they do do it, if they do something that's seemingly impossible and they finish it, it builds a piece of confidence in them that creates this, this responsible journey that they ultimately have to own. And that doesn't happen with kids. You know, it's, it's really incredible that we, 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 we have 18 year old kids that are making decisions of, let's just say, what do you want to get your major in in college? Why is a kid equipped to even manage a question like that? And what Hoff is doing is, He's starting this, like he said, this trajectory, this momentum early on to go out and start talking and asking questions and interact. And unfortunately, for most cases, that happens too late uh, for kids. Um, we don't realize that until you know we start having failures and we all of a sudden realize we're on our own. And that's what I find these, these parallels and I, I, I really find what he is doing 
um, based upon what I've experienced. Um, it, it's really incredible. It's so incredible, Arnon, that that these programs, for example, the one in Anahola, uh, the school allowed certain kids, uh, the more troubled kids, to come into the program. The program was so successful that kids that were not meeting the qualifications were asking, do I need to do something bad in order to go? <laughs> and wow, those kids were labeled throwaway kids. You know, this, and there's, I mean, there's kids that were being raped by their uncles. There's kids that were being like sold for drugs. There's like, you know what I mean? It's just tragic stuff happens to these kids. And you Armin, see these kids. He, that's, that is out so you should say that is yeah. absolutely the truth. And I heard it firsthand and I saw, and it's horrifying, but it's the reality. I, and Hoff is a gift from the gods to do this and be in those trenches every day. I, 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 it, it, it's, it's God's work. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Hoff, how do you take care of yourself? How, how do you, how do you, how do you find balance here? I, the, the, I think like for me, it's just like our natural state of existence is only we, we own, we are only, we are a human being is running at his highest level of existence when he's helping others. And that's what I've learned through, through doing hard things and being less selfish. And you know what I mean? It's, it was a process for me um, to get to a point where I just want to help others. But now that I've done it, it's you, you'll become the richest you've ever been when you actually start helping other people and stop, you know, it's because it's this world drives us to think about our bank account, our immediate family, our, you know what I mean? My car, my more, you know what I mean? Those are the things that we're taught to focus on. But when we take focus off of when I, I learned, when I take focus off of that and I put it on like this, helping kids and all this and, and, and helping people get their, you know, just get sober and helping families that are struggling with. So, um, the, the, it's just that I, I think I, I'm at my highest level of existence when I'm operating from that position because, and, and the gifts I get, like I go all over the world, you know, and it's like, I'll be like sitting in a restaurant in San Francisco and I get this dad walks up to me. I don't even know. He's, he's like, Hey Aaron, you saved my son's life. I just want to thank you. You know, and I go and, I, and I'm walking around the community. I get kids where it's like, uncle, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And now I'm working over here and this and that, you know what I mean? It's like, and I, and I sit, there's, there's a wake of people behind me that have all got their lives back. They've all got, you know, the parents got their kids back and it's just, and it's, I'm nothing special. It's just because I figured out the, the thing is I saw, I see the truth and, and I know the solution is in the community and when I mention community, the solutions in each and every one of you, like, like Armour, you, Ed, Chris, you know, you guys, the solution starts from, from me making the choice to go out and try and help some people today, you know, and it's, and, and that's it. It's the moment I set my feet on the ground and, you know, I thank God for this new day. I, I put my sights on helping people throughout the day, you know, and then the funny thing is, is when I really do that well, all the other stuff that the world has us focus on takes care of itself. You know, that stuff is all provided for. And then, and it's, um, and it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, it's just like when I walked into the cross with him, it made my life better, you know, made me understand. And, and it's, um, 
when you really experience CrossFit, it's not about you going there getting your workout. The, I mean, the, the best part of CrossFit is when you watch that person come in last place that's just trying so hard and everybody comes out of themselves and actually goes over there and supports that person that's suffering and in and, and, and last place. You know, that's, that's a genuine human um, expression. You know what I mean? That's, that's the highest level right there. People love that. You know, it may suck to be the guy in last place, but, you know, but it's like it just brings out the natural state of humans. Like you want to go over there and help this person because you know the suffering where that person is. You know, when you walked – when I walked into a CrossFit gym, I was always coming in last place because I was fat and out of shape. You know, and I knew what it was like when those people carried me across the, the finish line. So now after learning that and I've gotten better, I go back because I know what it was like back then. When I came into the gym, I was intimidated and all this, you know, and, and it's, um, I needed those selfless people to walk over and motivate me and say, hey, you got one more rep. Let's go. Come on. You can do this. You know, they, they helped carry me through something that I could never get through alone. So it's cool. I mean, I could go on and on about it. I get so pumped up about it. It's like helping others is something I highly suggest every human being start doing. So, do you remember that? Uh, I'm sorry. Do you ahead. remember time that that time, Aaron, that we were at Anahola and um, I was teaching that one class with the kids, and we were warming up with some air squats, and there was one kid that was so athletically challenged that when he would go down yeah. for an air squat, remember he, he would fall over because he had uh -huh. no balance. So I remember. So Armin, I I take these kids, and it's a full group. It's like 20 kids. And I warm him up with some air squats and there was this awkward kid that just, he just was having a hard time, but he was there and doing his own thing. And he was, how old do you think, Baron? I mean, he was 12, 13. Oh yeah. Probably a little younger than that. Maybe like 10 to 12 in that age right there. Yeah. A little tank, wanky, just a, just a little solid little tank. So I end up, um, I, I, part of the warm up, I, I said, we're going to go out to the street and there was a flat section of open road um, right near where we were working out. And I drew on the street, a line, and then one meter in front of it, I drew another line and I said, okay, we're going to all stand in between these two lines. And what we're going to do is we're going to run one minute down the street. I'm going to yell, stop. We'll rest 30 seconds. And then we're going to run back to the starting spot. It's one minute down and it's one minute back. If you match your speed going out with your speed coming back, when I yell stop, when we get back near the original start, you should be right in between these two lines. And so I go, there's the challenge. And part with these kids, what you want to do is you want to create these challenges, kind of like gamify things. Um, and this was one that I was just really tricking them into running and creating it into a game. So we end up going down. We come back, and as soon as I yell stop, I notice there's one kid in between the two lines, and there's kids either behind it or in front of it, because I didn't tell them how fast to run. They picked whatever speed they wanted to run. There was one kid, and you know what <laughs> kid it was? The kid that it's couldn't do an air squat. And oh, all so the other kids, the other kids, like, jumped on him like he was God. It was... <laughs> It yeah, was the greatest. Those, those victories for these kids, you know, little wins because they're getting beat down by life so hard. All the odds are stacked against them, and they're just like, 
Man, like you remember when you were a kid. When I was a kid, it was hard over here, man, growing up. I was like, Armin, I'm going to give you some perspective too. So this Anahola gym is not a gym. It is literally an awning that was built by the father of one of the kids who can't speak English but could only donate his time. So it's maybe this 20-foot awning, a bunch of the most like old-school ghetto rust equipment you could imagine. And all these kids are just there going ham. And you literally have like your Phil Jackson of your sport with Chris coming over and saying like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to 360 dunk today. Like that's what these kids get to experience. They literally get to see, because we all get that CrossFit bug where you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you're just super hyped and everything. So they're watching these videos and they literally get to have their Phil Jackson come teach them how to dunk. They literally get to see like, they're LeBron James and Noah Olson. Come do a workout with them. Yeah. And all these people. The foundation is so wild. And these kids are like, whoa, Uncle Chris, this is amazing. And then you have all these people <laughs> for the run. They're like, wait, what? You worked out with Chris Hinch? I was like, yeah, he taught me how to do it. And then these people are just like, what in the world is happening? It's, it is the most insane thing you've ever seen. And it's literally just our buddy's house who someone donated building a giant well, on Beautiful person. The family's yeah. so awesome. Like I, he's we, we, he's been sober about eight years too now, and it's funny because like we were doing CrossFit together in the beginning, and it all circles back to me doing the gym with him and and uh, taking my Anahola is like a uh, it's like an Indian reservation, but it's a Hawaiian reservation, and the, and that that place is um, so neglected by by the office, the Hawaiian affairs, and you know the Hawaiian the Hawaiian government side of it, that when I put this gym in there with my buddy, they were, it was very apparent, like how neglected they are, you know, for, to, they're like, wow. And the whole community was just like, wow, this is amazing. Thank you. So grateful for the, you know, and yeah, it's, it's pretty special to see that. So it's tell me, wild. tell me about, um, by the way, I've seen Chris play that exact same game with like the best crossfitters in the world. Like I, I think every time I've been, every time I've gone out to, uh, to riches, to the barn and the teams train in and he has like all the ball, all the boys and girls coming over, you know, they're coming in for like games prep. I've seen Chris do that exact same thing with every single one of those athletes and it murders all of them. It's fantastic. Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about how you guys are running the, ultimate Hawaiian trail run this year. Like what are you, what are you doing this year kind of rebounding from COVID kind of opening it up a little bit? Cause I, I, I understand that there's now like a virtual version of this since that happened last year as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing about the run is a lot of people just think of it as a singular event, but it's a lot of stress on the actual foundation because this is the biggest line item ticket that really supports the entire foundation, all the good stuff that we just talked about for the entire year. So this run generates the revenue to make all that happen so that we can support these kids. So on the virtual side of it, we're actually launching it on the 30th of July, which is this upcoming Friday. And street parking is kind enough to host it. Chris has donated his expertise and he's going to provide 5k, 10k plans for anyone that signs up. But basically, it's so that you can run along with us and help us with this cause. We realize it's not necessarily feasible to get everyone onto the island of Kauai, but it doesn't mean you can't be a part of this mission where you could really help save a kid's life and 
provide for them something that otherwise they would have never seen. Absolutely. I, I, I dig that a lot. I love the idea of scaling it, by the way, of just making it kind of like you can do it anywhere. Like how, how does that work? Like, do I have to, do I have to go find a park somewhere and like shred up a bunch of trees and like throw water over to make mud or what? Like, how, am I going to have to, am I going to have to hoff my entire life to, to make this work or, or how's this going to happen? No, it's going to be awesome. But we're basically going to have on trailrun.com we're gonna have a sign-up sheet it's gonna be hosted through street parking you're gonna kind of run your own virtual 5 or 10k you're gonna map it out you're gonna do the run we're gonna send you a care package with bibs it's gonna be really official you're gonna get a lot of the stuff we have amazing sponsors they're gonna help us with a lot of the swag and things of that nature you're gonna train for the run and we're gonna have a lot of social media to expose it but it's pretty much just you pick your own adventure. You can go as crazy as you want, but you map out the 5K and the 10K, sign up on ultimatehawaiiantrailrun.com. We'll swag you up. We'll make sure you'll have the greatest training plan available to you so you can crush your PR. And then we're just going to hopefully have you come out to the island if you can in the future years. Yeah, and this year, just supporting what we do is huge because this year we're, we're finalizing a lot of the, um, what we do so that we'll be able to put this in other gyms all over the world. And we've already have a couple of test pilot gyms that we're working with. And it's, they went from five kids to like 45 kids and their kids are thriving. So our goal is by the end of the year, um, be early next year to have this where any gym can just grab the programming, what we're doing and be mentored by us to help them be able to produce what we're producing with the kids over here. So they can, so they can impact their community. With, with no confusion, we've done all the hard work and all the we've made all the mistakes. We've done all the, you know, everything that you can possibly do to get to this point. It's been, I've been doing this for 24 years of my life and the foundation has, you know, for the past eight, we've been like 10 years. The foundation for the past eight years is really focused on honing this in so that it'll be really easy for any gym to do. So you're joining the run and helping support it's not only going to help us over here, but it's going to help everybody with this great gift that we're creating for the, every community all over the world. I think you- that that's the, that's the key thing. One, what's really interesting about what Kayla is doing and Aaron started is this kids program. And there is no one out there that has coached more kids over this amount of time. I mean, there's over 500 kids in this program. So we're eight years in, and I love the fact that they have captured all of this information, this how to do it information, and they're going to make that available to other communities so that they can do the exact same thing without all of, you know, the the pitfalls that they've already gone through. And that to me is the coolest piece because that's where the experience comes in. And why not just cut the corner and get, here's the answers to the test. Yeah. And this, and the thing is, is that you're not just changing the kid's life. The coach that starts doing this, a coach that starts using and implementing what we do properly, it will change that coach's life. And when that coach starts to see how these kids' lives are changing and the parents come in, they start to see how the, all this stuff starts changing. Then, then the parents start to get fired up about it. And then, and then you get all the other coaches and it just starts this wildfire throughout the community. That's, that's 
so contagious, you know what I mean? And that's, and, that, and that's what we're trying to get to. So, I mean, that's how special it is. It's, I, I truly believe that this is a huge turning point for so many communities. It'll, it'll like, because it just doesn't grow the kids and protect the kids. You have to affect the whole back end of it. It's not like, like when I started, I would tell the gym, I'll go, Hey, you guys, you guys are the mentors. So when I bring these kids in, just want you to know how important it is you guys are in these kids' lives. So keep that in mind. When these kids come in, pour into them. Pour in. And when they understand that, like, hey, wow, I can actually make a difference. Now I'm given – I mean, you see all the problems in the world, and it's so, like, how do you even make a difference? It's so, it's so gnarly, you know what I mean? But when this is put in front of a person, say, hey, when you're coming into the gym, this is your chance for this one hour to be impactful to these kids and you're, you know what I mean? And what they don't realize that what they think they're giving, they're getting back, you know, and it just starts this whole thing in the individual, which I, I, I highly believe that everybody understands when we talk about community, it's the individuals in the community that are so important. It's not a vast amount of people. It's that one person that walks in the gym. He is the community. You are, you light the fire in that person then that person goes out and he affects, uh, you know what I mean? So many people. And it's like, and that's what this program does so well, you know, and I've watched it over years. Just like it's, it's, there's kids programs, but there's community, there's community changing programs. And this is the one that's, that's got all the pieces right. Wow. And if people awesome. want to participate in the, uh, if people want to participate in, the uh virtual 5k 10k or just even be a part of it in some way like even just support the the kaala foundation in some way what's the best way for them to do that so you can do like you can do yeah you go to ultimate hawaiian trail run.com and you can do i mean we're every dollar that comes in is a huge blessing so you could become a monthly donor for a five ten fit 25 whatever amount just to become a recurring donor, you could do that. And there's so many other ways where you can make a big donation or, or just taking our information and handing it off to people, you know, and just letting people become aware of, hey, this is something that's good that we could – which will potentially be able to come into our community, you know. And, and it's just – every anything we get is, is I'm so grateful for, you know. And, and, I, and, and every dollar that we do get, I, I – I use that money. So it's so personal to me because this is so important to me because I know how many kids lives and families lives are at stake right now. And, and I have a huge responsibility to follow this thing through so that we can change what the way society is just killing us. You know, it's, it. well, I, I know that, I know that I'm going to be participating the virtual side of things. I'm not hundred percent sure I'll be able to make it in person this year. What with the new addition to my life, uh, but absolutely going to take advantage of the virtual side of things. Also just to get, you know, a, a professional, uh, you know, like the best, the best endurance coach in the spaces, five K or 10 K training program that I can use myself while I'm out here trying to keep the dad bod at bay. Uh, that's going to be really useful. Uh, that's going to be really useful for me to have Hinshaw's, you know, personal touch there. And then on top of that, you know, just from my end, 
you know, the games are always a really busy and, and exciting time for us. I, I'm going to be trying to do a bunch of like content around the games, live watch alongs and stuff. And uh, like, you know, half of whatever income that YouTube, I get through YouTube doing that stuff is, is just going straight to you guys because I, I really love what Keala does. And, and I've been trying to support it as best I can over the past few years um, with donations here and there. But, but I think especially kind of rallying around this launch date, like July 30th, virtual run sign up you know the 5k 10k deal that you can do anywhere you guys are, are are kind of like rallying around the games is like a big touch point it all just kind of is coming together um you know to to kind of create a really cool thing so i i'm hoping i can do my my part there i'll, I'll definitely shout you guys out a ton over the uh over those live streams and and to whoever is willing to listen just to kind of spread the word as best i can because awesome. i respect it man i respect it i love it um and and I really want to see you guys succeed in, in in growing this and continuing it for another, you know, eight, sixteen, twenty-four, thirty-two years. You know, just keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah. And be crazy is if we got you and Savan to race each other on your own racetracks to do the virtual run and see who would win in either a five K or ten K. Like collegiate <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, fastest yeah. Armenian content creator in the CrossFit space. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Super Armin. Armin, you got that, I mean, all day, every day. Come on. Dude. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's fucked. I, I would, I would yeah. destroy him. That's not even fair. Right. It's not. <laughs> you say that, not. but you oh, have a newborn it's... child, Armin. This is where the caveat. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's enough of a handicap, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love it. I love the confidence. <laughs> maybe if I put a weight vest on, maybe if I have to carry the baby the entire way, you know? And the amount of shit that's getting talked about. The next podcast he's on, he's like, oh, this guy, I don't even know him. Him and Armin just talking shit. Pushing the stroller. That's right. So yeah, I have, I have a pretty dope Thule, like running, running stroller, jogging stroller. Maybe that'll be, maybe that'll be my handicap. <laughs> That's the handicap. Like yeah, I'd still say you got him. That's good. No, you know, so you know, when you when you mentioned that arm about the, the the just this cause, and it's it's great that you're you're spreading the word on that. I one of the things that I mean, I've always given into charities, and I've always like contributed, and it's always been a part of just who I am. But when Hoff came into my life, and and uh, the foundation, and what they're doing, I. I committed more than just money and I started contributing more and more time. Um, and one of the things that, that if you've never given time, I, I didn't know what you would get back from that. And it, and it really surprised me and it changed who I was as a person. I mean, I've always donated time, but not towards a charity like this. Um, and what I got back has surprised me. Um, the level of happiness to give for the sake of giving and without any expectation of anything coming back. And it has come back on a level that I never imagined possible. And Hoff always said that early on, that, that you know, just opened up your heart and opened up your mind and this energy and this return will come back. And, and that's what this foundation has done for me. And so... That's why it's an important cause is because it makes me like happy um, to be a part of it. And, and it's a very valuable cause. And this virtual run in the race this year, it's a pivotal year because 
the momentum in the program is so big now. And Hoff, what he does, and he didn't say it here, he will never turn down a kid. If a kid wants to come to CrossFit, you can come for free and we'll take care of you. He'll never say no. And so for me, I want to help him in that cause the best I can, because I never want that word no to be said either. Yeah. And, and also like Chris talking about giving time, you know, it's like over the years, I've had so many of the best athletes in the world come out and coach these kids. And they don't even really, they don't even know who the hell these people are. They just, you know what I mean? They could care less if it's Matt Fraser, Tia, and they're just like, okay, cool. You know, which is great because it's just, they, they come in, you know, they don't, they don't have them on, on this elite status. They're just human beings. But then when they come in and, you know, I've, and you get to like teach these kids, you know, to give that part too is, is so special to come here. If you're ever coming on vacation over here, you're more than welcome to give me a call and come in and, and, and help us with these classes. I encourage people more to come in and see what it's like if they're coming here on vacation to, to see what it's like on the day-to-day grind over here. You know, it's a lot different than, than the yeah. trail run. Trail run is very Hollywood, you know, big thing. It's a beautiful thing, but the day-to-day grind is something that's even more special than that, you know, that, because you really get to see like the dedication and the hard work that my team puts in and pours into these kids. You can't, you know, there's like Juan, Sarah, and, and like just, just, constantly being there and making sure that I don't destroy the foundation. You know what I mean? Because it's, because <laughs> I'm just like all over the place, you know? And, and, but yeah, to be able to see that, you know, and, and, and run it so well, it's, it's, and it's such a gift, you know, and, and, and the athletes that, you know, we so fortunate that these kids get the best, coaching from the best in the world you know that's like how does that even happen you know what i mean i just it's um it's truly special and and yeah you're a good leader you're a good leader boss yeah i'm I'm, I'm stoked you know i just fortunate that these kids you know be believed in and people keep coming back that's a sign that you know you're doing something right is people are keep coming back you know it's just if somebody came here and just if nobody ever came back, we wouldn't be where we're at. You know what I mean? So a lot of it, I, it just reminds me that, you know, that what I'm doing is right because I'm, I'm my worst critic. You know, I, I'll, I beat myself up and will tell myself I'm not doing enough and this and that constantly, you know, I struggle with depression and all those other aspects in life. But, but the community of people that keep pouring into me coming over here and, and keep reminding me is that, this is a good thing. Don't stop. You know, it's like, it's, it's so, so helpful for me. Like through COVID was hard. I was struggling through COVID because I didn't have a lot of the people coming in here. It was just like cut off. And I was just like, man, you know, you just kind of start getting lost, you know, and like what's going on. And, but my, my good team like stuck around and really came out fighting, you know, this, and that's, that's the beauty of it, you know? That's uh, that's really awesome, guys. I I really appreciate the the chance to kind of learn a lot more about about Hoff and and your your journey, uh, Aaron, and and sort of your involvement, Chris, your involvement, Ed, and like kind of learn about what it does and and how people can support it. And I I just wanted to one more time, like, you know, 
the best way for people to support it, ultimatehawaiantrailrun.com. Go there. You know, can, you can sign up starting July 30th is when this, uh, it launches. Is that correct, Ed? Yep. And yep. that way and we can... Hawaii, you can sign up now. And if you want to go in person, you can sign up now. I'm telling the run's going to be something else this year. Is it going to be actually 10K or is it 10 miles? It's going to be 10K and a 5K. (laughs) They're the same. Ish. 10 miles, 10K. There's no such thing as imperial metric. It's the same. (laughs) It's just to let you know, it's really hard to get because there's a lot of gaps where you don't have reception and GPS and all that. So it's kind of like you got to let the mountain give you this watch. The mountain gives you what it, what it gives you. And yeah, you're, you're eyeballing it. I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, guys, for your time. Thank you so much for for you know giving giving me a, a better perspective on this thing. And uh, if you if someone's listening or watching this, uh, absolutely one hundred percent give give something to to Kaala Foundation. You know, help help these kids, help this situation, and and, and help Hoff keep you know keep the chaos rolling because it seems to be doing a lot of good. Help us bring uh, this to the world. 